Hello and welcome to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs, writer and mostly sensible habit maker. This week's episode inspiration comes from my mate Chrissy from Hair Romance. She wanted me to do another episode on sleep and it's been a while so I thought I would do a deep dive into sleep today. This episode will be less about sleep fixes, mainly because we do actually know what we need to do and that's put our damn phones down, but more about why we need to do these things. So sleep is a really hard topic to tackle because people can get really defensive about it. Like myself, for instance, at the moment, we are not doing ourselves any favors sleep wise. We are smack bang in three major territory and things that used to be easy, like dinner and bath, are now like negotiating with a tiny terrorist. It takes up so much of our emotional energy, which means we need a bigger break in the evening to feel normal again. We end up staying up way too late and we're just trying to fit all the stuff in that we want to do. That equals late nights. It equals us being tired. So we're sleep deprived. There are things we can do about it, like turn off screens at 9 p.m., limit caffeine, all that jazz. But we're not doing that right now because it's all we have. And we're okay with that for the moment because this is a season. We'll get back to it when the kid stops deciding to cause friction 4,000 times every day. So that's one cohort. The people who know they need to sort their sleep issues, but at the moment it's in the too hard basket. Another cohort of people who get defensive about sleep problems are those with chronic insomnia. And honestly, fair enough, mate. I get bouts of anxiety or hormone related insomnia and I hate it. I cannot imagine what it must be like to suffer from insomnia indefinitely. And if you're listening to this right now and thinking, yeah, Carly, warm baths and lavender oil aren't going to help me. I am hearing you. I receive your frustration and anger with an open heart. I know you've tried everything. Insomnia is the worst and I'm so, so sorry. I am going to try to cater to everyone in this episode, but I have a caveat. There are three sets of people who are unlikely to be helped by this episode. Number one, the aforementioned people with chronic insomnia. You might find something helpful in here, but chances are you're a bigger expert than I am. So take all of this with a grain of salt and feel free to scoff at anything I say while you listen. Number two, parents of small children. You don't have any control over your sleep right now. You will again one day, but in the meantime, just bank this advice. Don't be sitting there with a newborn thinking, oh, how am I supposed to get a solid seven hours of sleep? You're not. You will eventually, but right now this isn't for you. Sorry. Number three are carers. So carers often don't have a lot of control over their sleep. That is a situation that may or may not change. So some of these tips might not work for people who are carers. So on that note, let's jump into the episode. Here are some extremely startling sleep facts. There was a study published in the Lancet Medical Journal that found that surgeons, and that's like, you know, people that are chopping up bodies and doing operations who were awake for over 24 hours took 14% longer to complete tasks and made 20% more mistakes, which is so horrifying because if there's one person that you don't want to stuff up, it's your surgeon. And surgeons are actually often awake for 24 hours at a time. So if that is affecting very high functioning surgeons, imagine what happens to us if we cut down on sleep and how that affects our productivity. A similar study showed that if you skip a night's sleep, it makes you just as insulin resistant as a type two diabetic for that particular period. And if this pattern continues, it can lead to weight gain, signs of aging and decreased sexual drive. So a lack of sleep can make your body literally mimic the same symptoms as a chronic illness. 
Another thing that's really important to know is that the purpose of sleep isn't actually rest, it's waste disposal. So this was discovered in 2015 by two different scientists who were working on the same thing at the same time and discovered it at the same time. I love when that happens. It's just like two different people working completely independently, not knowing that someone else is studying the same thing and they reach the same conclusion. It's just, I just love it. It's just so lovely. So they discovered that Uh, The glyphic system removes toxins in the brain, the main one being amyloid beta, which is actually a protein that patients with Alzheimer's have an abundance of. So the system that washes all this stuff away in your brain does most of its work at night when you're asleep. So sleep is actually a deep clean. It's not really a rest. And it's like washing away your potential for brain fog and forgetfulness. Uh, Another study that I found really exciting was that an hour of sleep can make a huge difference. So in 2015, there was a study at the University of California, which found that after being exposed to the cold virus, people who slept an average of six hours per night were more likely to develop a cold than those who slept for seven hours on average per night. And that's just a difference of one hour. And often... I bought it between six and seven hours of sleep per night. So if, you know, now knowing that I'm less likely to catch a cold if I sleep for seven, let's all aim for seven. That seems like a great idea. So after all that scary stuff, let's deconstruct sleep. Sleep is more of a process than an action. And there are phases of sleep. So the first phase of your sleep is light sleep. That's the first part of your sleep cycle. This is the bit where it's really easy for you to be disturbed. This is referred to as N1 sleep, and it accounts for about 5% of your overall sleep time. N2 is the next phase, and that's still light, but not quite as light as N1. And that accounts for 50% of your overall sleep time. The next phase is N3, which is deep restorative sleep. And this accounts for about 25% of your overall sleep time and tends to decline with age. Like as you get older, you have less deep sleep, which just is so disappointing. I'm really sad about that. I had this big plan to like be retired and sleep a lot, but it seems like old people don't really sleep that much. And yeah, it's something that bothers me daily. But anyway, so it's the very deep sleep where your growth hormones like have this giant party and boost your immune system and help you recover from illness and injury. And this phase also grows brain cells and makes you smarter. So that's pretty important. So in a typical night, you will go from N1 to N2 into N3, which is your deep sleep back to N2. This is usually that three or 4am wake up that a lot of people get and then back into N3 sleep again for that last little bit of sleep. So to summarize what I've said, if you don't sleep well or long enough, it affects your health, weight, concentration, memory, productivity, lifespan, and mortality. This is a cheery little episode, isn't it? So I'm going to refrain from going too heavy on the tips in this episode, but here are some tried and true tips that you've almost certainly heard of before, but now I've stoked your fear that, you know, you might be actually more inspired to put these practices back into place to get some good sleep. So the first thing you need to think about is sorting out your melatonin. So melatonin is this magical hormone and it regulates your circadian rhythm. So the production of this nifty little guy is majorly affected by our exposure to light. So when the sun goes down, we're supposed to feel sleepy, but this only works if we've had sun exposure. So have you ever noticed how if you like go to the zoo or go to Disneyland or spend a lot of time outdoors in the sun, you sleep really, really well that night. 
It's generally a combo of light exposure, so being outdoors more than you would on an average day, plus a lot of movement. So try as hard as you can to increase your exposure to light during the day. Walks are fantastic, but if you can't manage that, eat your lunch outside and get a little bit of sun. Also, definitely wear sunscreen. Most melatonin is actually absorbed through your eyes, so don't forget to be sun safe. If you put sunscreen on, that's you're still going to get all of the good stuff from melatonin. And seriously, I'm so weird about sun safety. If you forgot to put sunscreen on today, please do it. Another really important tip is to sleep in a pitch black dark room. I know this isn't always possible. A lot of different circumstances affect the home that you have and the place that you sleep and the climate that you sleep. And even just things like daylight savings. I know a lot of Queenslanders get really mad um, because they don't do daylight savings and it makes a really big difference to them. So there's a lot of things to consider when it comes to being able to change your environment to suit your health. Like we lived in Fitzroy in Melbourne for seven years. And honestly, it was like a disco outside our window, but we got these silk sleep masks and now we don't sleep without them. It's been close to a decade of sleeping every single night with a sleep mask on. They're so amazing. Once you get used to them, you take them everywhere and travels an absolute breeze. It also acts as like a Pavlovian response. So once I pull my mask down over my eyes, I get this kind of full body kind of reaction. That's like, Oh, it's time to sleep now. So if you have trouble getting your room dark enough, get a sleep mask, cannot recommend it more highly. We use block out blinds for the kid, but because you know, you can't get a kid to wear a mask. I can barely get her to wear summer pajamas. Like a face mask would be a hard no, but we love having the window open with fresh air. So that's why we use masks, but you know, do whatever works for you. So I really, really hate the trope of virtue that early morning people get. I just think it's really weird how everyone worships early morning people and thinks that night hours are particularly slovenly, even when they often just sleep the same amount of time. It's just at different hours. And I'm really, really sorry to the night owls out there. I'm not, I'm kind of right in the middle. I'm not a morning person or a night owl, but I am married to a night owl and I've got a lot of night owl friends and I'm sorry to the night owls, but there has been a study done at the University of North Texas that shows that self-identifying morning people achieve higher academic grades than self-identifying night owls with morning people averaging a 3.5 GPA and night owls averaging a 2.5 GPA. On a side note, I realized as I was writing up this episode that I have no freaking idea what the hell the GPA is outside of when Elle Woods says that she has a 4.0 GPA in Legally Blonde, which is apparently very good. So I did some research. As it turns out, it's a grade point average, which I knew, but a 3.5 is equal to a B plus and a 2.5 equals about a C plus. That's for anyone outside of the USA who has never been entirely sure what a GPA is. And also why 4.0 seems good when four is just like a low number in almost other, all other circumstances. Like I can remember thinking the GPA might be a score out of five, but then 4.0 always appeared to be the highest grade. So it couldn't have been out of five. Anyway, that was a mega brain fart digression. Please enjoy this journey into the American tertiary education ranking system. Another thing you need to consider if you are wanting to sort out your sleep is to kick caffeine to the curb. I haven't mentioned this recently, not for any reason, just because it hasn't come up, but I have given up coffee this year as well as caffeinated low sugar drinks. I felt like it was affecting my sleep. 
And it turns out it really, really was. I still have small amounts of caffeine in tea only in the morning. I switched to decaf in the evening and I've been sleeping so much more efficiently with much less wakings at night. So the deal with caffeine is that it has a half-life of eight hours. So it takes about that long for it to get completely out of your system, but everyone metabolizes caffeine differently. So you really need to listen to your body and see what works for you. Start with ditching caffeine after 4 PM and work from there. I started with that and stuck to that for about a decade. Cutting it out completely has made a huge difference. Also, apology, alcohol is not that great either. Sorry. Although a lot of people do report that alcohol helps them fall asleep. It severely limits the amount of time you spend in deep sleep. In fact, I have a sleep app on my phone that measures my deep and light sleep via my Apple watch as I sleep. And I do this every night because it just kind of does it automatically. One night early in the year after a wedding where I had more wine than I usually would, it showed a solid light blue bar, which indicated that my few extra glasses of wine completely stopped me from entering deep sleep at all that night. Usually you can see that there's a big chunk of blue and then a little chunk of light blue that indicates lighter sleep where you've stirred or you know gone to the toilet or not been able to get back to sleep. And then it will go back to dark blue. This morning, it like the morning after this wedding, it was a solid light blue line. I remember looking at it and being like, oh my God, that's so bad. And I felt like garbage all day because I never entered deep sleep the entire night. So remember at the beginning of the episode when I said how essential deep sleep is for basically everything. So that whole night of restoration and recovery, I just skipped the whole thing, which is really fine once in a while. But when I think about how often I did that in my twenties, that is a literally sobering thought. So that's just something to look into. If you are finding, if you think that alcohol is, is affecting your sleep, it might be a good idea to cut back on it a little while. Having said that though, like I went to a wedding, it was a really good friend of mine. I had a wonderful night. It was great. I didn't feel fantastic the next day. And it's, you know, kind of funny to look back on this one night where I had really crap sleep and it's fine to do that every now and then. I think if I did it several nights a week, it would be a completely different story. Another thing to think about with sleep is you could try having an orgasm. So in my research, I found that orgasms increase serotonin and oxytocin, which are natural stress reducers. So it's kind of like a clench and release right before you go to sleep. So if you're having trouble getting to sleep, schedule some sexy time with a lover or by yourself. What a wonderful way to get to sleep. You should also make sure that your room is like a cool, dark jungle. So your temperature must drop in order for you to fall asleep. So keep your room cool, dark, and full of plants for extra oxygen. Sleep hygiene is also super important. Look, I'm not going to dwell on this point because we all know what we need to do. You need to be screen free for at least half an hour before bed, no phones in bed, a clean, cool place to sleep. That's it. We should also aim to be asleep at roughly the same time every night because consistency is a really, really big key in good ongoing sleep success. And that's it. I'm not going to do too many tips because we all know them. This episode was more about telling you all of the really creepy consequences that come from not honoring your sleep and honoring your sleep hygiene. And honestly, I'm inspired to give my sleep a bit of an overhaul as well, because I have been a bit naughty with it lately. So for this episode, I have put together a very excellent sleep checklist that you can get via Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash very excellent habits. References for this episode are Sleep Smarter by Sean Stevenson. The Sleep Solution by Chris Winter, The Sleep Revolution by Ariana Huffington, and The Sleep 
The Secret Life of Sleep by Kate Dove. And that's it for this week. Thank you for listening to Very Excellent Habits, the podcast that helps you create little habits for a big life. I'm Carly Jacobs. You can find me on Instagram at Very Excellent Habits. You can also email me, contact at carlyjacobs.com. Don't forget, I have a Very Excellent Sleep checklist that you can get from patreon.com forward slash Very Excellent Habits. It's $7 Australian or $5 US per month, and you get access to all of my resources, workbooks, and templates. Also, don't forget to leave a review. Three incredible people left reviews last week. Thank you so much, Australian Doctor Girl, Waverney, Waverney one of those. And April Louise ED, you absolutely made my week. If you want to be the bearer of this week's joy, you just need to go to the show page for Very Excellent Habits, not the episode page, and scroll down to the bottom to leave a review. Until next time, remember, little habits, big life.